This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, everyone. You're tuned into episode 74 of the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And this is Chris Knutson, your host for this week. So in today's episode, we're going to get into career planning, specifically talking about increasing your ability to generate income in your work, then touch on lifelong learning and certifications. And these are topics Anthony and I hit on routinely, and it's because they're topics that resonate with all of you. So we get a lot of questions about the topics of career advancement, continuing education, certifications, But instead of hearing our opinions, well, this week, I've got Bruce Harpham from projectmanagementhacks.com on the show, and he's going to be talking about his view of career advancement, continuing education certifications, and he's going to bring a little bit of a different perspective, given that his background is not uh, steeped in engineering. But before we get into the main segment of the show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode. So if you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. And for a special 15% discount, you can use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. I also want to let you know that we have created a 30-day, $1 trial for our engineering career community at the request of many of our listeners. So now within minutes, you can have access to all the great discussions in our forums and over 40 past webinars on core skill development for engineers, all for $1 at ecc.com. That's echocharliecharlie.com. All right. Now, before we get into the show, I want to provide you with a quote that's related to today's topic. And this one comes from Viktor Frankl, the author of Man's Search for Meaning. And he tells us that when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So with that, let's get into some career planning and lifelong learning goodness with Bruce Harpham. All right, so I'm back, and for today's main segment, I have Bruce Harpham, professional project manager with me. Bruce is the founder of Project Management Hacks, a career development resource for project managers. His experience includes leading projects at banks and universities, and he's earned his undergraduate and graduate degrees from the University of Toronto. Bruce's writing on project management, careers, and technology has appeared at projectmanagement.com, cio.com, lifehack.org, and many other leading websites. I came across Bruce from his article, Project Manager Salary, Four Key Insights to Earn $100,000 Per Year, over on projectmanagementhacks.com, and we exchanged some emails, and we're here today on this interview. Bruce, I'm excited to have you on the Engineering Career Coach podcast to share your insights on career advancement, continuing education, project management, and a bunch of other stuff. Welcome to the show. Well, Chris, thank you very much for bringing me on. It was a delight to receive your email, and I'm glad we're... uh we're recording today. It's pretty awesome the whole uh, <laughs> the whole internet thing. We've been living this living with this thing for you know for over really actively living with it for over a decade, and it's just it's amazing how we're able to uh, you know to quickly connect on on items and uh, to be able to get you on. So this is this is just really awesome. So before we get going, I want everyone to know that you can always find the show notes at 
engineeringcareercoach.com. And for this particular show, go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash PM hacks. We're going to have a summary of all the key points that we're going to discuss here in today's episode, as well as links to the resources, the websites, and the books that Bruce and I both are going to mention during the show. And again, the show notes are going to be located at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash PM hacks. All right, Bruce, I'm, uh, I'm ready and really willing here to unpack a lot of uh, the great insight that you've got. And uh, I want to start off first by, uh, by asking you to tell us a little bit about your own career planning. You know, when did you first put career planning into motion? What does it look like for Bruce? You know, what does it look like for you on your end when you're doing this career planning? Well, thank you, Chris. So I'd say uh, there's maybe two transition points I would mention in the way of career planning. Uh, the first would be 2009 to 2011 or so. At that point, it was my start in the financial services industry. And it was not an industry that I had studied during my university years. So there was a quite a significant learning curve. And kind of phase one of that learning began with, I just want to understand the landscape of the industry. So I was reading books about the financial crisis. I was listening to podcasts like Econ Talk, which is a great long-running economics podcast. And then after that, I kind of amped up my focus and investment by taking some financial industry courses uh, here in Canada, both through an industry group and through night school at a local university in terms of... um, you know, how does the securities industry work? Some basics of accounting and finance. And that really helped me kind of understand the fundamentals of the industry. And I think those are principles that can be used if you're, say, if you kind of started in aerospace and you find you have to switch to something else, that kind of approach may be helpful. More recently, kind of 2014 to present, I've been working to transition from an analyst role into a project manager role. And that uh, transition is underway, and uh, it's been going well so far. I've been excited with everything I've been learning. Have you been using a lot of the same same processes and techniques that you used uh, during that first transition? Which I think is a great point. And that is, is, you know, sometimes transitions are ones that we undertake ourselves, but other times they may be ones that are, are handed to us. And I really took away from what you said that you know it's really sort of you took it on yourself to go out and get smart about the industry, you know, to develop your own skills. Are you going through the same process now at this point with your entrance into project management? In part, um, I am using uh, some of those same approaches. I'd say the major improvement that has been very valuable for me is that I joined the profession's largest association the Project Management Institute. And I'm fortunate that there's a large and very active chapter uh, right where I live in Toronto, Canada, with about 4,000 members in the immediate area. And I've been deepening my understanding by going to events, um, you know, volunteering and, uh, you know, writing articles for the uh, local chapter newsletter kind of going to seminars the association has put on. And I was recently invited, actually, on a, uh, an all-expenses-paid trip to a Project Management Congress conference in Orlando in October. And that's 
only happened really because I've been so active in participating in uh, the association. In some ways, I, I can't quite believe that's, that opportunity has been presented to me. Uh, I'm very grateful for it. But I would say my major addition to making this transition is uh, active participation in the professional association. That's a great point, Bruce. And I just kind of want to unpack that one for everybody that's listening. So I've written in the past about this, and, and I think Anthony and I both have talked about the fact that if you're looking to try to establish yourself as an expert, a subject matter expert in, in whatever field or whatever area that you are, or you're interested in, in wanting to become a thought leader or to be someone who's identified within your in your area as an expert, the only way that you can undertake that is to is to really literally throw yourself into it and become active. And Bruce, what you just talked about as far as the, you know, the through Project Management Institute, through professional organization is exceptionally correct. And it's I'm kind of laughing and, and, and feeling good on the inside here because a lot of what you're doing with your local chapter there, I've begun to do myself with the uh, chapter here in Munich uh, with regards to running their English language programs at a Stuttgart. And my background's engineering, been involved with a lot of the engineering professional organizations, specifically the Society of American Military Engineers. But with PMI, that's opened up an entirely new uh, chapter for myself. So you know, this active involvement, volunteering, getting out there, putting yourself out there, writing about it, and being active is uh, is what it's all about. And and obviously, Bruce, for you, it's already paid some dividends for you. And the fact that you're able, you're going to be going down to see uh, see Mickey and go hang out down in Orlando there in October. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's gonna be that's gonna be awesome. Those are some really great points. We've had questions that have come in to Anthony and I in the past about you know about how do you establish yourself as an expert, and that's really one of the best ways is to basically figure out and decide what it is that you want to be focused in, what you're really interested, and then go out and find those professional organizations that become actively involved as a volunteer. That's the best way to be able to get yourself from point A to point B when you go down that role. So, Bruce, I want to ask you. A question that that comes up a lot to myself, and uh, and that is regarding the PMP certification. So this shows really geared for you know for the engineering professional that's out there. And I've talked before and have written a lot about the necessity of uh, engineers obtaining and and going after the PMP certification. What are your thoughts about this? Well, I'll uh, comment in maybe um, a few different uh, angles in terms of. The relevance for engineers, and then I'll share a few comments about why I pursued the certification. A lot of the project managers that I've met have come up in the world of technology, IT, software, which I think has a lot of uh, similarities to engineering in terms of analytical rigor and strength and some of these kind of qualities. And why I think it's valuable for an engineer looking to develop their career or move in new directions is that if you're in an organization that where the primary business may not be engineering, you know, you may be the like an engineering quality consultant as an example, earning the PMP can help show your organization that you can make a contribution that goes beyond your technical expertise that you understand a process of how to assess a risk, for example, and that you understand 
different ways of engaging stakeholders. The vice president that's funding the project would be treated differently than protester, for example, or someone from another department who will only be tangentially affected. So that's um, some of the connection that I see in terms of relevance to professional engineer. In terms of my own desire to pursue the PMP, I had first uh, began to meet people that had it in significant numbers in 2014. And I was impressed by the, the rigor that they brought to the work. There was no kind of sensation of them just kind of trying to make things up as they went. There was a clear kind of process, and that appealed to me. And then I set it as one of my annual goals for 2015 to earn the PMP, and I'm happy to report I achieved that in April. And I wrote a blog post, uh, Lessons Learned in Earning the PMP, a few months ago that shares some of the, the resources and kind of strategy I followed to achieve that certification. So I really like the rigor of it and the also the breadth and gives you some of the fundamentals of risk, a really good framework around managing communication and some other kind of skill sets such as that. Yeah, those are all great, great points, Bruce. And I just, you know, I'll I'll throw in my own, you know, my own two cents, you know, kind of what prompted me to, to uh, pursue the uh, PMB back in 2011. It, for myself, I wasn't surrounded by anybody who had the PMP. I actually stumbled across it just kind of doing some general searching about how to codify my project management expertise that I had up to that point and literally stumbled across the Project Management Institute and the PMP. And, uh, and I viewed it as a way for me to be able to codify my expertise and the experiences that I'd had in project management. But I will say that I, I share a lot of the same perceptions that you have, which is, as I met people who had the PMP, I was really impressed again, by just like you said, by the fact that you know, it was really, all of them had brought a professionalism and a process and procedures to how to handle a project. And what I've found is I've become more involved with PMI and with with project managers outside of the engineering career field and industry is that there's a commonality and I, I find that to be just really exceptional and, and enjoyable. So great to hear that you found some of the same aspects. So I, I want to uh, kind of shift gears for a moment here away from project management and get kind of into more of the career development, personal strategy processes. I, I saw from doing some, uh, you know, kind of some reading and whatnot that you had an opportunity to take Michael Hyatt's goal setting course. And this is something that Anthony, my partner, is really, really interested in. He does a lot of a lot of work with engineers about the setting of goals. I personally am very much uh, focused and, uh, and interested and, and teach and write about strategy development and implementation, which is, again, all, all really associated with goal setting. I'm curious to hear, especially from taking Michael Hyatt's course, you know, how important are goals to career planning and lifelong learning? Well, uh, I'll share a couple of observations. I found it an excellent course. Uh, it had great production values and design. In terms of the format of it, just to kind of make a meta comment, the name of the course is Five Days to Your Best Year Ever. And the kind of concept of it is that you could do this in a weekend if you wanted to, but the idea that inspired Michael to create the course is that 
he would have a couple of slow days in late December, kind of between Christmas and New Year's Day. And that would be kind of his time to set goals. And the idea is that you can kind of go through this process in a couple of days, and then you're ready to go for the new year. So it was a nice kind of self-contained process. And uh, I also uh, went for the option to receive uh, monthly coaching from Michael Hyatt, which I found uh, valuable. In terms of the role of goal setting in careers, it's very wise, I think, to set some goals and realize that if your objective is career growth within an organization, that you don't necessarily hold all of the cards. You can't predict necessarily what opportunities will come up or if the company will have a struggle or something. So admit that fact. And I think if you're interested in advancement, don't assume that will happen kind of magically. I think a lot of managers and executives are quite preoccupied with their own work. They're unlikely to just kind of think of, you know, to tap me on the shoulder one day and say, okay, it's time for you to be promoted. It's a combination of saying, I am interested in a role such as X, project manager, for example, and to pursue that goal, I'm taking courses through the University of Toronto and earning the certification. So I think it makes sense to have a bit of flexibility to say, I could be a project manager at company A or company B, and I can't control what jobs they're going to post or make available to me. What I can control is how do I invest in my own skills and my own network? So that's my approach to goal setting. And additionally, I would add, for a goal to be energizing and worth pursuing, you have to be able to say whether or not it's complete. So in my case, for example, rather than say, learn something about project management, which would be a very vague and difficult to measure goal, I set a goal of earn the project management professional certification by April, which I achieved. So that's my perspective on goals and careers. So that really sort of to a certain extent, it, it follows the, uh, that, the smart construct, which is the, you know, the uh, specific, measurable, attainable, time-bound, irrelevant structure, pretty much for the, for the most part, Bruce? Yes, that's right. That's great. I read Michael Hyatt's uh, material all the time. I haven't taken his course, but you're the you're the second person I've had the opportunity to speak with about about his course, and I understand that's absolutely outstanding. So we'll uh, we'll make sure we provide the link in there for anyone who's interested in, in going that route. So I want to really kind of move next to the uh, to really what what brought the two of us together, which is your article, which was titled Four Key Insights to Earn $100,000 Per Year in Your Engineering Career. Actually, it's yeah, project management. I, and I'm, I'm really kind of interested to know, you know, what are the insights that you uncovered about this magic six-figure salary? You know, how does someone go from, you know, maybe making seventy or 80000 to this magic six-figure salary? I'm happy to share about that. Uh, by way of background, my uh, comments are based on Project Management Institute's uh, annual salary survey, which is a very comprehensive effort that brings in survey data from many thousands of project managers. The specifics of the examples that I'll be covering are specific to the USA portion of the survey. Uh, however, PMI has also surveyed uh, project managers in 
Canada, Australia, Germany, uh, many other countries. And the broad findings are similar, but I'll focus my comments on the United States. So really, I found that there are four predictors uh, that tend to put people into that six-figure project manager income category. So I'll just kind of run through those factors. The first factor is choice of industry. So the research found that the highest salaries tend to occur in the following industries. Natural resources, including oil and gas. The pharma industry, so kind of drugs, medical products. Aerospace, engineering, and consulting. And in contrast, some other industries, such as perhaps nonprofit, tend to have lower salaries. I will say from friends I know in the nonprofit world that uh, those organizations seek to provide other kinds of compensation, such as uh, maybe greater vacation days or kind of more perks within the office. So it's partly a question of you know, which industry interests you and to what extent you value cash compensation versus other factors. The second predictor of high incomes in this area is work experience. So I will say that I have come across cases here and there of engineers going into areas such as the kind of gasoline and oil sector, where they're kind of hitting that 80 to 90 kind of thousand a year income right out of college. That can occur if you choose one of those industries and they happen to be booming. But I would say that's somewhat unusual from the research I've seen. What it tends to be more common is that people that have reached a work experience of 10 to 15 years are much more likely to be in that six-figure category. So if you're kind of 23, 24 years old, for example, and you're really gunning for that very high salary, it's not impossible. It's uh, less likely. And to a degree, um, some patience and uh, building skills and connections are most likely going to be required. The next two points uh, consider um, education. So PMI in their research has found, perhaps unsurprisingly, that project managers with the PMP certification tend to report a higher income, anywhere from five to 10,000 higher. And in a way, it signals uh, professionalism, but also uh, kind of a commitment to, you know, to your profession that you didn't just kind of drift into it. And also people with a graduate degree, such as a master's or MBA, tend to earn quite uh, high incomes as well. And then the final point uh, found in the research concerns what I call project complexity. So specifically, individuals that are managing projects of $10 million US or greater tend to earn incomes in the $126,000 level and up. And a $10 million project is uh, quite substantial. Even in a multi-billion dollar company, there will be a relatively limited number of projects that are that large because a project that large tends to affect a lot of their organization. And there's quite a lot of risk involved as well. And I think that risk point also speaks to the reason why kind of aerospace and pharma and mining have these higher incomes because, you know, when you're, you know, drilling an oil rig, for example, and you're running that project, you know, if there's a significant error, 
you know, that's going to be front page news. So in part, you're earning a high income to, you know, be trusted with managing these significant risks. So those were the main predictors that tend to lead to a six-figure income for project managers. Those are all great inputs, Bruce. And I think that you know the takeaway for uh, listeners is is really if you know to to get yourself aligned, if the six figure salary is what your goal is, is to really you know step back and take assessment, make sure that you've got the goals put in place to put yourself in a position you know, through education, through certifications, and through licensure, and through the experiences to be able to obtain it. So it's. You know, if you, if you picked up on on one of the comments that Bruce made in that, uh, you know, straight out of college, it's not impossible to get to that point of the six figure salary, but it's going to be pretty pretty unlikely. It's going to take some time. You're going to have to have experience under the belt, and it's going to take a while to get to that point where you're able to be entrusted with the accountability and responsibility for for the large projects. So, Bruce, this was a great article. I really enjoyed it. We're going to definitely have a link to it in the show notes so people can go out and take a look at the uh, at the insight that you've got here. And I, I really appreciate you doing the uh, literally unpacking uh, the uh, the very, very extensive PMI uh, research that they, that they did on salary. So thank you for that. So I want to ask you, you know, if you had to start over again, what action in your career would you change and why? I have a, kind of a couple points. And this is a blend of kind of both personal and professional habits because I think they they mutually reinforce. So the first one that took me a while to learn, and I think this is partly a confidence as you get more experience. I have recently, over the past, I'd say, 18 months, developed the habit of proposing solutions rather than asking for opinions uh, when faced with some kind of problem. And I think this is a great way both to project confidence, but also practically to move to a solution faster. So if you're dealing with your boss or your manager and, you know, a vendor failed, for example, rather than say, you know, oh, the vendor failed, what should we do? It's better to come with a solution, even if it's not perfect, and say, well, we could go with vendor B or we could pay a $5,000 uh, extra fee to go faster. So I would propose more solutions rather than asking questions. Another habit that has really uh, helped me recently over the past several months uh, is to establish an effective morning ritual. Hal Elrod, who is a past guest on the podcast, has uh, an excellent book that goes into this in depth. And then I think... Uh, the third point I would mention would be to take someone to lunch or coffee in person once a month. Oh. Uh, more often if I can manage it. That's brilliant. That's a golden uh, piece of advice. Yeah. It's one of these things where um, I think we can be almost seduced into how powerful the kind of email and LinkedIn are. And they're undeniably very valuable. But there's tremendous deep value in putting $20 on a Starbucks card and taking six people to coffee over the course of a month. Uh, it will teach you all kinds of things about a given industry or you know job category that you're interested in. That's awesome. Too bad we're uh, separated by 8,000 miles. Otherwise, I would uh, take you out for a latte uh, tomorrow. <laughs> so I'll have, to take a, I'll have to take a rain check on that. For sure. 
Definitely. Well, before we jump into the uh, Take Action Today segment, I, wa- I want to ask you one more question, and that is, what's the greatest threat to someone earning $100,000 or more in their project management career? I think at that level, there's a couple of threats uh, to consider. First of all, I think it would be uh, network atrophy. At that level of responsibility and income, you would have a extremely demanding day job. And it would be easy to kind of just go home at the end of each day and, you know, watch TV or do whatever you want to do for fun and kind of completely neglect your network. So I think that would be risk one. And that comes to mind in part because I have seen some very highly experienced people with kind of 20 plus years experience in banking who unfortunately suffered a layoff and it took them six to 12 months to get into a new role. And I think one way that that time could have been reduced would be to spend more time on networking, even just 10, 15 minutes a week. That's a great point. And we'll definitely, that maybe have to be a follow-up, uh, follow-up podcast in and of itself or something that uh, that we write about later on, because I think that's a, you know, ensuring that you've got this lifelong, continuous network is is so underrated. There's a lot of uh, angst associated with networking, et cetera. But uh, I think you hit on this earlier in the conversation in the importance of having that network as an asset and one of the few assets that you actually have control over. So what an absolute a great, a great point. All right. Well, I want to jump into now the uh, Take Action Today segment of the show. And I've asked Bruce to stay on to provide his insight for this segment. But before I do that, I'd like to offer a word from today's Episode sponsor, PPI. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses they should use when preparing for the FE, PE, or SE exam. Hands down, we recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, we have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order at ppitopass.com slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach and use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindenberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppitopass.com slash coach. That's PPI, the number two, pass.com slash coach. So Bruce, what are three pieces of advice you wish you knew 10 years ago so information that you could tell your former self in your career that would have saved you time and positioned you better for increased responsibility and compensation and made you more fulfilled in your life? It's a big question. <laughs> I would return to the coffee networking point. I would say budget for it. You know, I'm in finance and kind of, I think a lot in kind of dollar terms. So I would say $25 a month, go meet people. Even if that takes a bit of effort, and it may feel a little uh, uncomfortable. I would say that point for sure. The second point of advice I would give would be 
to ask for cross-training opportunities and when it makes sense to take on additional work in my current role. This is something I I wrote about in a recent uh, blog post around how to expand your job and get the most career development you can out of wherever you currently are, rather than exclusively kind of dreaming about the next role. That's huge. And we'll make sure that we have those uh, that link to that uh, blog post in the uh, show notes. Bruce, I'm, I'm really appreciative of you taking the time to uh, jump on the, uh, the call for this episode and the information that you've got over on, uh, on your website, uh, which we will have linked up uh, here in the show notes, is, is absolutely uh, outstanding. And what's even more amazing and I'll just footstop this again, is that Bruce uh, has decided, you know, he decided to make the move into the project management professional realm just a couple of years ago, and he's already established himself as an expert, a subject matter expert in project management. So it's been in the development throughout his career, but uh, certainly not something that just happened overnight. And it's been something that was planned. It was a goal of his, and it's being put into motion. So, Bruce, thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you very much for the uh, project management hacks and the work that you're doing over there. We're going to make sure that we get that linked up on the uh, show notes. So I I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, Anthony and I are always looking for the questions and the comments and the questions that you send to us. Please provide those to us because that's what helps us make this show better every single time that we do it. You can go over to engineeringcareercoach.com. You can provide your comments there through the link to uh, to the podcasts. And with respect to the show notes for this show, you can go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash PM hacks or to teccpodcast.com episode 74, the engineer career coach podcast.com episode number 74. We monitor all those comments. We're going to respond if you leave us one. And until the next time, I wish you absolutely the best in your engineering career. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.